This podcast is supported by Americans for Medical Progress and was founded and created through the Michael D. Hare Fellowship, awarded annually to support projects that inform and educate the public about the critical role of animal research in furthering medical progress. The fellowship honors the late Dr. Michael Hare, a renowned board-certified laboratory animal veterinarian who dedicated his career to scientific and medical advancements and who was deeply committed to animal welfare and advocacy. Hey, everyone, and welcome into the February edition of the Lab Rat Chat News Bite episodes. It has been quite some time, I feel like, since yeah, we've done oops. one of these. Did Sorry. we do one? Of, I don't think we did. I think we did a <laughs> December one. I'd have I, to go back and look. I thought we skipped December and January by accident. Okay, we it's did skip two. It's just been hectic, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just been a little bit crazy. But so we're I know back. everyone out there has just been dying, you know, to hear another <laughs> News Bite episode. So yes. it has been a little bit crazy, just holidays and Disney World trips and... Oh, yeah, I don't have any of that in the house. Stuff. Yeah. Um, so. Oh yeah, you got a new dog. We d- we did get a new dog. What what is the new dog's name? Sandy, aka Cinnamon Glitter Sparkles, Excellent. is the name. So we <laughs> yes. asked our kids what they wanted to name the new dog, and all of those things came out. And so okay. we're like, well, it can be Cinnamon Glitter Sparkles, but for sure it's just Sandy. <laughs> but I take her, I take her to work with me quite a bit, and. She is only known at work as Cinnamon Glitter Sparkles or CGS or Sandy. Okay. Um, so I love she's, it. yeah, she's a little golden doodle, like a smaller version. I don't know exactly what the parents were. Um, okay. One was a golden. I think the other one was some sort of like poodle mix thing. So she's crazy. I don't think she's all there mentally. Good. Um, you know, she like, never makes eye contact. Never kind of looks Aww. up, always looks around, always. I feel like doodles are always a little like goofy. Yeah, but at least our other one, Gumbo, he, you know, he learned how to sit real easy, learned how to not go to the, not go pee in oh, the house real easy. So you, this you have one a Nala and a moose. That's what you have. This one. You have a, I, I, yeah. I still to this day, I mean, I, we still practice sit still to this day. She jumps up in the air. She jumps. No. You have a you have a Nala and a moose. That's that's what I got. I got one that was so easy to train, and the other literally I, peed on our carpet this morning. He's eleven years old. He couldn't make it to the door in time. Yeah, but that's like old man. You know, he's just no. He's, he's tried done his this best. consistently he tried, through his life. He though. tried his best. No, I mean he woke us up. He told us he had to go. We responded, but he just didn't give us enough time to get him downstairs. <laughs> I mean, so he's trying. He is. Sandy well, and he, oh. will be outside for an hour. Come in and, and then, then I go. let her in. And she goes as far away from me as possible. Looks in my direction, not in my eyes, because I don't think she knows how. And then just starts peeing. And she knows that she can get basically her entire bladder empty by the time I get to her. And nice. then by the time I get to her, she books it, you know? Yep. And then we're playing that game. She's faster than me. And then trying to get her out back outside. And then she's like, why am I out here? I just peed inside. Oh, jeez. So, it's been, we got her in November, I guess. Mm. Like right after, I feel like we did that News Bite episode. Yeah. We got her. Well, that's fun. So, I mean, why not have another dog? Someone at work trying to have, have me adopt another dog, which I said, no, we have too many living things to take care of. We got yeah. pigs, we got kids, we got dogs. That's enough. Did you have a fish too? Yeah, sad news. Oh, fish didn't okay. make it. Fish has passed. Okay. We were actually sitting on the, it was like in September, probably 
Okay. And that fish traveled with us from Virginia down here in a Tupperware, Ooh. made it, did great, transitioned well, was adapting to the new climate, was making friends. And then we were doing homework with Kaylee one night and she, I just look over and the fish started swimming upside down, doing circles. And we just kind of sat there. We all gathered around, you know, for her last few minutes. And then she passed. And, oh. then, and then the kids <laughs> There's a fought life over lesson. who wanted to flush it down the toilet. Oh. So, that's, okay. uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's always in cartoons. They want to be the one to flush the fish down the toilet. Yeah. I, I have no dead, exciting life. I have no exciting life updates. Like, no. I've just been <laughs> surviving. <laughs> just trying to mom it. Yep. That's all I got. Yeah. But we, I do have articles to talk about. Fantastic. We have, in case this is your first news bite episode, we do, we each do two episodes. Two, or two articles. Yeah. We don't do two episodes each. That would be, that would go on for a while. Um, yeah. Two articles each. Sometimes we repeat the same article. Hopefully we, hopefully we won't today. I don't know what you're doing. I'm doing something about frogs. And then okay. something about hearts and mice. No, I think we're good because I've got an FDA update and then I'm going full February theme, Valentine's Day. We're talking about prairie voles falling in love. Look at you staying on theme. Well, yeah. my, my heart and mice, it's American Heart Awareness Month. So. Oh, and that has to do with, yeah, we're on theme. This is good. Hearts, Valentine's, yeah. mm-hmm. Heart Awareness Month. We're killing it. Um, and the FDA thing is obviously big news. I'm excited to hear your take on it because I haven't actually read a whole lot into it. We're hoping yeah. and trying to get somebody on this show for an interview, hopefully within the next month, that really knows the ins and out of the new laws and how it's going to affect the field and all that. But we'll talk about it a little bit today and then maybe talk about it more um, on a more educated manner. Not to <laughs> insult you, maybe you know everything no, no, about no, it. No, because that's I'm I'm wishy-washy on the information I found. So, yeah, talking to an expert would be cool. Okay. Um, all right, cool. Well, you want to go first? You want me to do it? Sure. No, I'll, I'll start off with our, all my right. FDA Take it away. article. Yeah. So in December of 2022, um, a law was passed where FDA no longer needs to require animal testing before human drug trials. And this article kind of goes over the pros and cons of each, each side of this. Um, there's a lot of people who feel we're not technologically advanced to just fully do away with animal trials. But I think one of the benefits could be that if you have a situation where someone's not going to make it and there's a drug that's showing good promise, you know, maybe the FDA can clear it for a clinical trial if it's as a last ditch uh, effort to save someone and not say, oh, sorry, we might have a life-saving drug, but we can't give it to you because it hasn't gone through the appropriate testing. Um, that being said, on the flip side, people are saying, you know, there's not enough, you can, we'll say, you know, organs on a chip. So say you have a liver chip and it can test the toxicity and how it would affect the liver, but we don't know how that drug would affect your brain, the rest of your organs, your lungs. Um, so there's still, it's not a perfect science yet, but I think it offers the leeway for extenuating circumstances And I will say one line in this article that stood out to me. It says, although the legislation allows the agency 
to clear a drug for human trials without animal testing. It doesn't require that it do so. So it's really still up to the FDA based on the information that's provided whether or not they want to allow the drug to go forward. So animal trials may still be required based on the information, but I think it sort of eases the burden for certain circumstances based on my take. I would love to talk to an expert about this because there's some arguments people are just celebrating saying, yay, you know, um, nine out of 10 animal trials don't even translate to humans. So it's just a waste of animals. And our goal in the lab animal world is to never waste animals. But have you gotten valuable information from those nine in 10 drug trials that failed? You know, there's two sides. I think it's be it would be interesting to talk to somebody too because I don't know. I mean, I think there are positives. You can, we can look at positives mm-hmm. to the law, like you're saying, if you can get something approved quicker um, for in someone the time who of has need, no other, yeah, and if there's they have no, no other, other option, options. and like, yeah, they're going to die regardless, possibly. So if we I was give trying them something, to not be so blunt and say they're going to die well, either way. If but, that's the outcome, right? They're going to die. Right. Regardless, so yeah. if we can try this experimental treatment that maybe shows promise in some sort of you know computer modeling or something like that, or even just or, in mice, but they haven't gone on to the second non-rodent species that a clinical trial or a drug trial right. usually requires, you know, so maybe they have some preliminary information but haven't tested it in something like a monkey or a dog. Um, yeah, because that does the is does this law require this the new law does it eliminate the need for animals at all or just the eliminate the need to go from this you know, a high eliminates order species? the requirement for any animal use i don't think the fda will just allow a free-for-all oh no more animals are needed i think certain scenarios are going to require the same that's why that sentence at the end that i read sort of stood out because it's just sort of lifting a burden almost is how they're kind of portraying it to allow a little more flexibility, but it's not that it requires that there's like, you don't need animal testing. They could still say, no, this needs more information. Yeah. Um, and I, I read something too about it re- helping for some of the drugs out there that are basically copycats of other drugs. So mm-hmm. drugs that are already approved and somebody else is basically coming up with like a new version of it, but it's using the same, you know, whatever it is small molecules or ingredients or compounds molecular structure whatever if there's something already approved then they can just go ahead and apply for approval based upon the approval of similar drugs or technologies and another Uh, um mention in this article is that it says you know fda's toxicologists are famously conservative preferring animal tests in part because they allow examination of potential a potential drug's toxic effects in every organ to be looked at after the animal's euthanized. And again, if you go back to organs on a chip, yeah, you can look at, you know, liver cells and does it affect the liver, but you have no idea what that's going to do to your lungs or your brain or, you know. And you don't know how all of our organs interact with each other. So without everything being together, like in one physiological system, how do we even know? It may not, it may not affect the liver the same way in a, in an animal model as it does and like a petri dish in the lab so these are lots of lots of things there's the episode that we had episode 11 with dale cooper who's a board certified lab animal vet he was great at breaking down a lot of the misconceptions around animal research the whole thing like you said about nine out of ten drugs fail in human trials he -hmm. breaks that down and so i'd recommend anyone to go listen to that because that's PETA and other organizations love to cite that but it's really 
in a sense. Um, still provides good information. Right. And the fact that we've gone so long in clinical trials without any severe adverse effects or deaths, I mean, also kind of shows that these animal trials are really serving their role in screening out potential toxic drugs before we get to clinical trials. We're not always saying they're going to be the most efficacious drugs that treat or cure disease, but at least we can try them in humans with the reassurance knowing that they're not going to be toxic or kill the people that are trying these drugs out for the first time in clinical trials. And that's a big part of animal research is to just figure out that toxic effect and those toxic doses and make sure that it's safe when we get to clinical trials. So definitely go listen to episode 11 because it's full of information like that and just breaking down some of those misconceptions. So it'd be, it will be nice. We've talked to somebody who can break it down, but I think I agree with you. There's at first it's like, it's, it was upsetting to see the law get passed, but then I think in a way there's, you know, trying to always look at the positive sides. I think there can be positives taken away from this while not saying like, this is the end of animal research and, and all of but this, because we have a if, long, long way to go before. You know, as a, as a human, if I'm in a situation where I desperately want to try anything to get better, I would feel relief if someone could say, Hey, I'm working on this. This is the information I have so far. Um, you know, you're still going to have to sign your life away that you're willing to try it. But I think I'd rather be able to be part of that decision than just have the government say, Nope, didn't go th- meet the checklist criteria. So we can't do anything for you. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I would much rather, I'd feel more comfortable knowing a drug has gone through even though they're not humans, monkeys, guinea pigs, rabbits, monkeys, or yeah. mice, something like that. Yeah, if there's time, exactly, or like requirement. I, if yeah. I'm in that clinical trial saying, versus saying, hey, we you know, put this into some cells in a Petri dish and it didn't kill the cells, you cool to try it? You know, so there's def- there's different <laughs> levels of. But you can also say, no, I do not out. want to try that. <laughs> I do not want to enroll in this clinical trial. Right, oh. right. So, Okay. We'll hopefully get somebody on here soon to, to break it down a little bit further and, and explain some of our quest or answer some of our questions and your questions. And if anybody out there listening has questions, email us so that when we do do that episode, we can we make sure them. that we ask them about it. Yep. I'm going to start with the heart disease article. Oh, I was going to go with frog, but okay, we'll do heart disease. You want frog? <laughs> we can do frog. Yeah, do frog. All right. Let's do I've frog. been looking forward to this. I mean, usually we save the fun ones for the end, but let's throw it in the middle. All right. Yeah. So this is actually from January. Forgive me. Okay. It's not from February. It's, but it's January within 18th. So we're th- within the last month. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. Um, first of all, this is from a Michigan like daily news article and they do a wildlife Wednesday feature every Wednesday. So that's where I got this from. And it's about the Michigan frog and how this Michigan frog could potentially save lives. And so okay. in the winter, obviously in Michigan, freezing cold. Okay. I don't miss that. That's why I'm in Louisiana. And so as (laughs) everything begins to freeze in Michigan, the frogs actually freeze as well. You know, they'll burrow a little bit. I think a lot of people know that frogs will just kind of go underground. And they really, they stop moving. They stop breathing. Their hearts stop. They lose all brain activity. Yet, when the ice begins to thaw, the frogs begin to thaw when they come back. So... What is it in these frogs that allows them to do that? And then how could this eventually be a key to medical breakthrough 
for like all the cryonic discoveries or cryotherapies in humans. And I mean, we can get super sci-fi with this and be like, you know, for our trips to Mars or other planets, eventually we may need to do like cryotherapy, right? To get there. So that's, that's, that's one take. <laughs> you're you're blowing fiction. my mind right now. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you've heard about that, right? Like some of those trips yeah, to other planets, like if we were to serious... repopulate. No, there's very serious talks about, about it. <laughs> okay. Like if we could eventually find other galaxies or other planets, because when we, you know, eventually destroy this one, we're going to need, need a new one, right? I, I, do we deserve a new one if we destroy this one? <laughs> Of course. And so okay. we're, we're going to find a new planet, a new galaxy, yeah. and it's going to be light years and galaxies away. And I mean, it's going to take longer than our lifetime to get there. So we're going to need a way to get there. I know this is not the focus of this article, but this no, is where yeah, I'm we've taking it. Way off frog topic. Okay. All right. But so obviously frogs are cold blooded. We know. So body temperature is the same as the surrounding air. So when temperatures freeze, they freeze. Um, and so they hibernate in the floor and the under, under like the, the wood forest floors it doesn't provide, you know, the, the, the ground freezes, they freeze, metabolism slows. So how can they survive? But they found that the blood contains special proteins that allows the cells to survive this freezing. Um, and so what exactly, how they can exactly use these, these special proteins into a drug into eventual like cryotherapy type stuff. Cause there's more than just like freezing us and allowing us okay, to live that's longer. What, that was there's my other next question. Like, are there other applications for this? Yeah. Oh. What exactly? I'm not sure. Um, but it's the, the protein, some sort of like glucose and it acts kind of like antifreeze and allows the blood to keep, keep going um and then and it's like a natural sugar that the frog's body prevents or that 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 they produces to prevent like their blood from actually like freezing to ice and so that way the, the blood can keep throw, flowing through the body and so but i mean we're exactly, not cold-blooded so is that gonna ever translate that's very it's interesting for like it's for like specific cryotherapy yeah type stuff okay um and so, like, for cryopreserved organs, for example, you know, if we could take organs and cryopreserve them and then have these some sort of proteins going through them that we're able to, like, keep the blood flow or keep some sort of solution running through the organs to keep them alive for longer, and then we could still use that organ, you know, maybe a week, a month, a year later after we've harvested it, you know, then maybe... Yeah. That's that's a good application for it, and they actually did that where they took a a liver and not a human liver, an animal liver, but they put it into a frozen state. Um, I think it doesn't say for how long they put it in that frozen state, but they ran that like glucose protein through it and then took it out, put it into an animal. And it functioned completely normal inside the animal. Hmm. So if we can keep organs alive for hours, weeks, you know, months, years, I think it has some benefit there. So maybe not the complete cryotherapy for humans where we need to go to other planets and survive and repopulate and start over. But for life-saving organ transplants, it's probably yeah. where the most medical... <laughs> 
you know, importance <laughs> is from this article. But I immediately went to, let's go to space. Yeah. Sci-fi. It sounds like a thing of sci-fi, so. Yeah. I feel like I've seen, I've seen something recently where they, where they broke all this down and talked about, and talked about, it was just very like, in the future, if we have to, or if we find another planet and have to get there and it's light years away, how do we do it? And this was, this was the solution. Just like thaw someone for like a year like okay you're up you need to take care of all the cryopreserved bodies on this ship and then like they wake someone else up and then they go take their nap and they they, like rotate who's supervising then they put you in like a little chamber i know but but they they know how long it takes to get there but what if something glitches in two (laughs) you know in 200 years it's gonna shut down open up and you're gonna be there you just there is a movie about this Maybe they're not cryopreserved. Maybe they're on the ship. It's with famous actors and actress. I don't know who they are. I can't think of it. <laughs> but I've seen they wake the up. Somebody wakes up early <laughs> on the ship, and they're all supposed to be asleep still. Oh, gosh. Or I think they're cryopreserved. So that movie was bef- ahead of its time. Okay. It was before we knew about these frogs. Jeez. Because otherwise they would have based it around this frog route, and they would have thrown that fact into the movie. Yeah. All right. Anyways, that's enough. Okay. Um, yeah, my head is still in outer space right now. Um, yeah, so my next article, it's much cuter than sci-fi frogs, but prairie voles are, they mate for life and they're always in bonded pairs. And so this research team was interested in looking at the effects of oxytocin because that's the love hormone. And I like this quote. It says, oxytocin might be love potion number nine, but one through eight are still in play. (laughs) (laughs) Because so what they had seen was in these bonded pairs, if they block the oxytocin receptors in adults, so like they're already bonded, the bonded behaviors like grooming each other, taking care of each other, really being adorable to each other, stopped. So what they did in this study, they took... um, fertilized eggs from a female prairie vole, edited the genes, and then placed the embryos back in females that were hormonally ready for pregnancy. And they fully expected to see that this um, instinct to become a bonded pair would not happen because they've now genetically modified them to not to block oxytocin receptors or to eliminate them, I guess. And as the pups, they're born, they look normal, everything appeared normal. And as they grew up, they formed pair bonds, just like the other prairie voles, which was not at all what they um, were expecting. So they were like, okay, we need to do this three more times because we have to make sure this is 100% real. And it was. So now they're kind of looking into what um, drives the pair bonding in the absence of oxytocin. And that's still underway. But they're saying, you know, they are so genetically disposed to be like evolution wants them to be a bonded pair because that's what is essential for their survival. So they have redundant systems in place for these critical behaviors. And that's kind of what they're looking in, um, looking into. And it says the finding could help explain why giving oxytocin to children with, um, with autism spectrum disorders doesn't necessarily improve their social function because there's other systems at play. So it's an interesting article. It's cute for Valentine's day, but it also is relevant for, um, you know, potential human 
behavior because they use prairie voles, I guess, a lot to look at, to compare with humans because they do have that same, you know, need for love and bonding. So, yeah. I mean, because most mammals are not monogamous. Yeah. I think our, our gerbils, I feel like gerbils bond. Am I making that up? I mean, gerbils or hamsters don't lobster and uh, wait are don't lobsters mate for life too is that a thing i don't know there's no way i mean maybe the rare <laughs> pink rainbow blue or cotton candy lobsters right but probably not all lobsters there's no way okay there's too much information for me to quickly find an answer on this Okay, no, it says they are not monogamous. I think I just learned that from like a Friends episode where like Phoebe was like, he's your lobster, but maybe that's not true. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> Learning science from Friends. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, some species of birds. I think some whales. I mean, I feel like whales have to bond for life because the odds of running into like other friendly whales just doesn't seem... Like, I don't yeah, know. there's more fish in the sea, but there's not a lot of whales. <laughs> yeah, you're full of it today. I know. So, so yeah, but I don't know. I mean, it's a, I was I was going to make a comment, but I'm going to let it go. So enough about. I've stumped prairie. you. Yeah, I don't know what. To, I mean, I was just going to make a comment. You said it's crucial for their for the survival of their species to be monogamous. Yeah. However, yeah. and most mammal species. It's crucial for their survival to not be, to not be monogamous because right. they have well, to be Well, maybe because, I don't know, I guess I need to do more research into prairie vol behavior and find out why evolution feels that that's necessary for them because it's cute, but I don't know if cute and evolution necessarily care about each other. I, I don't think they care. No. Yeah. Evolution will continue. All right. Well, maybe next time I'll prairie, try to remember. Like not, evolution does not care about prairie vol's feelings. Okay. Well, Maybe it should. I'll try to, I will try to remember and learn more about prairie voles for next time. Okay. And we're confirmed lobsters are not monogamous. So we don't need to. Correct. Correct. We don't need to research that. I don't think I need to look into that further. Okay. If anybody's an expert in prairie voles, feel free to reach out and correct us. Or, or we lobsters. Do. Or lobsters. If you see a rare lobster out there, send it to Danielle. <laughs> she loves those stories. <laughs> All right. On to February American Heart awareness month they found although this was a group in australia which i would love to get this group from australia on the podcast it would be impossible for us to schedule like we would have to basically commit to doing this at midnight or 8 a.m and 8 p.m right yeah that would work too okay either way it would be great i feel like it'd be fascinating everybody would enjoy it they found that okay first of all when you get a when you get a heart attack and we've talked about this before before you have that myocardial infarction you have heart cells that die heart cells don't regenerate instead they just turn into like collagen or scar tissue and that scar tissue cannot doesn't have the same amount of elastin or any elastic like elastic property to it so it just kind of hinders the ability of the heart to continue to contract as it needs to so they found this protein, tropoelastin, um, it's which eventually occurs naturally in our bodies and it produces elastin and could potentially, if they get injected it into the collagen, they thought, hey, maybe if we inject it in the co- into the collagen, it would help produce elastin, restore some heart function. So they took 
that trope we last in, purified it, used ultrasound, put it in a syringe, ultrasound guided, basically injection into the collagen of the heart of these rats. And what they found was that 28 days after the injection, those scars were smaller, softer, and much more elastic. And the muscle function and contractility was similar to the heart before the heart attack. Wow. So it's a pretty, I mean, seemingly basic study and something that I think could eventually, you know, maybe they could try that in a, in monkeys or dogs or somebody that, or another species that has a heart more similar to humans. Piggies. Uh, and then maybe eventually pigs and then maybe get to the point where it's like, hey, like we had said, maybe just try it in humans, someone that has poor heart full of, full of scar tissue that's not working. Go for it. You know? Yeah. See what happens. And so I thought it was pretty cool. It's a pretty non-invasive technique. You know, it doesn't involve like open heart surgery to get to it. They can just ultrasound, put that from, needle in. From what you're it. saying, it sounds fairly low risk. I, again, I didn't read the article. I mean, unless you like. On the surface. Puncture the heart. You know? Well, you know, you got to have steady the, hands the for these sorts of things. <laughs> right. Um, but as far as if the, that tropolastin is something that are, we already produce in our bodies, you know, just being able to purify it down, concentrate it, and put it into the heart. Seems like there's, you know, not much that could go, that could go wrong, right? I mean, go for it. <laughs> what, could, what could happen? So, anyways, those are our four stories. Thanks cool. for listening, everyone. Um, I don't have any other exciting news. I thought I had another exciting story for you all because it's been a while, and I think I probably do, but I'll have to save it for next time. For one, because I don't remember what it is at this moment. I was going to say, that sounds ominous if you know what the story is, but no. you forgot, so that makes sense. No, I don't, but I know that there was one. I wanted to talk about the dog, and I wanted to talk about something mm. else. I think it was something work-related or just veterinary-related that was interesting. But I'll think about it, and we'll bring it up next time. I'm sure we'll have plenty of stories for you next and time. We'll, on... we'll try to do better, and we'll have this monthly again without our little winter holiday break in there. <laughs> Yeah, and my work schedule was weird to where I was only getting like one weekday off. We try to do these during the week instead of the weekend. Yeah. And then we had just like sports and other stuff. We're in, our kids are in sports like five days a week now too. So mm. trying to get anything done at any point is, is tough. But yeah, we're definitely going to get back to March. I should get my March schedule soon and we'll pick a date and we'll go from there and we'll get the, some guests on here and do some interviews and, you guys can keep on listening. So thanks everyone for staying t tuned to this entire episode. If you made it this far, go check us out on Instagram, Facebook, um, email us libratchat at gmail.com, especially if you have articles or something that you want us to break down and talk about. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Thanks.